there are a lot of buzzwords when you open the news or, or listen, uh, yeah, listen to, to television about hydrogen and sustainable fuels and, and biomethane. But what is really needed to, to make that attractive? Um, that's what we're here to discuss um, today. So um, starting maybe with, um, with Felix, how is your company contributing to the energy transition and helping to achieve net zero? Well, obviously, all these um, billion of tons and kilograms of hydrogen that I heard today will produce um, mm -hmm. within the next 10 or 20 years, or hopefully also in five years, um, need you know be transformed again back in energies. Um, what are we doing? Um, we are doing the fuel cells um, for that. Um, as you rightly mentioned, you know, um, based on um, direct methanol, so methanol uh, using um, as as a fuel, and then also um, on hydrogen, and really then bringing the fuel cells into the markets. Um, you know, finding people who are willing to pay the price for it, um, finding the right markets. You know? um, so again, you know, we we cannot rely on subsidies. We cannot rely and wait on governments um, helping us um, uh, or subsidizing um, the salesperson our um, uh, products. There's a lot of people asking for hydrogen fuel cells and a lot of incoming calls for those um, uh, fuel cells and a lot more um, than we've seen in the recent years. And, you know, as my analysts always ask me, you know, why are you not making uh, millions and millions and millions in revenue with hydrogen fuel cells? Um, you know, the reason simply being is um, it's an expensive technology, right? Um, also, you know, hydrogen as of today is super expensive. Um, maybe it'll be cheaper one day, but um, that will probably take another 10 or 20 years. And again, um, you know, do we see demand? We see a lot of interest in hydrogen fuel cells. Um, we do sell a lot of hydrogen fuel cells, but into applications where people need this specific energy source. And let's be honest, also in the recent years when we bought our products, people did not buy it because it was a fuel cell. People bought it because it has certain USPs and that's off-grid power in certain regions. And that's when they're willing to pay the price for it. So long answer to your question, interest is there. Um, price sensitivity is, uh, is still still very high. How do you see the, the long-term perspective of the sector? What has attracted you to it? Uh, which of the criteria you just mentioned has has the company ticked and um yeah also question to felix i started the first investment in two, 2016 um so back then it was i, I like what marco said uh, you have to be crazy enough to believe in the whole thing so back then it was not the most sexy investment um in in the field but i believed in the long-term positive um perspective of, of biogas and biomethane so that's when we stepped in and started to buy up companies uh, in that sector. Um, so it was this long-term vision and the opportunity that was at hand, uh, which showed up on our radar screen when we, when we did the first investment. I, I mean, I think from our perspective, there's clearly a regulatory support of the sector right now that makes it fundamentally interesting with, I think, a lot more longer-term uh, potential upside. Uh, I think the question is if you listen to the previous panels with regards to how much hydrogen we're going to see in the in the world in the future. Um, it is possibly a a transitional technology, but I think ultimately it will it it'll possibly transition into something else than it is today. Today it's a, a transition technology. In the long term, we see it possibly more as an often um, almost like an energy from waste facility because let's face it, there's still we'll still eat meat in Germany. Um, there'll still be chickens and cow 
kind of waste that needs to be treated and that needs to be treated in a way that captures the CO2 that otherwise is emitted uncontrollably. Um, and so if we really want to become net zero as Germans uh, or as, as, as Europeans, uh, we, we see the technology basically of, of, uh, of the digesters as becoming a kind of energy from waste type usage for animal waste in the very long term. It's not a transition technology. I, I think it's uh, there to stay, but it's changing. It looks and feels. Um, when we entered the market 2016, it was all about baseload. And I think that's pretty much gone or it will be gone. Um, we don't need biomethane or biogas for the base load in the, in the electricity market. But it, it will be there for the peak load, I'm, I'm quite sure. And it's there for the decarbonization of the heavy um, traffic. I don't see that hydrogen will, will do that. Um, especially when I look at our farming activities, heavy lifters, heavy tractors, or at the construction companies, there will be a market space that stays where biomethane is the better option than hydrogen or the cheaper option. And when we look at the large real estate, it's there to be decarbonized with a biomethane solution. Uh, the, the combined power and heat solutions that we are evolving. I mean, we, we, we run a couple of um, district heating um, uh, installations and they used to be in the past just connected to, to the uh, biogas plants directly. Now, in the future, we will change that, add uh, the solar systems. Actually, we're currently doing it. It's, it's under construction. And we add the biomethane treatment plant. And the next step will be to add a battery storage for the day and night shift um, of the electricity. And when you combine all of that, um, the city where we do that will be completely uh, on a green energy supply. And we will shift during the winter and the summertime the way we operate the system, be it electricity from the biogas during winter when you need the heat or from the photovoltaic with the battery storage during the summertime. And these kind of combinations, that, that's there to stay. And the linking part is the biogas, no matter where it comes from. I think there will be a revival of uh, crop-based biogas because we don't need all that land. We don't need all the the crops that grow, we cannot sell it internationally, we're not cost competitive, but we use only 20% of the agricultural land to feed our human beings here. We don't need more. And uh, so we, we make it, I think it will come back that we realize how valuable it is to have this closed loop um, from crop-based Navarros to biomethane to electricity and heat and also the molecules. Anything you want to add? Or? No, I mean, obviously, from an investor perspective, you would expect me to be slightly more pessimistic than the CEO of an industry <laughs> player, because we always tune, tune down the business cases, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of the logical, logical view that you would have. But I'm obviously glad, glad to hear the view, because it just kind of reaffirms what I've told my IC a few weeks ago. Yeah? Very good. Um, then going to the hydrogen side, um, um, Stephanie and, and or Daniel first. Um, there are a lot of plans uh, to to yeah build hydrogen projects, but actually the number of, of projects that are operating so far is is quite limited, and it's more test projects we've seen um, uh, reaching COD. What do you think, in in your view, is required to really 
get to a larger scale and to make these ventures a success. I think there's not only a lot of plants, there's a lot of projects out there and um, hydrogen electrolyzers, megawatts, uh, I think by 2030, before, but also I, <clears throat> IES uh, believes we need something like, what is um, 730 gigawatts whatsoever um, to get to net zero. Um, and we need a lot of electrolyzers for it. It's going to come from the US. It's going to come all over the world. Um, let's wait and see. You know, by 2030 is, is a long way to go. Um and the, and the reason what we really see is, right, and, you know, we're sitting right there. We need to sell our products, and we cannot sell our products. And the customers do not have hydrogen. People will not buy it if they don't have the fuel. People will not buy it if the fuel or the hydrogen is not as a competitive cost. So electrolysis or hydrogen is, is a key thing for us, and it's only, let's be honest, right now, most of the hydrogen out there is gray. Green is like, you know, super, super, I, I don't even know. It's not even 2 or 3%. It's, it's super low. So, you know, for the time being, the fuel cell is not a green energy done, right? Um, hopefully, it will become a, um, a green energy soon, and that's that's why we're in the market. And the reason why the projects are not really kicking off, and that's very simple, and you may ask the investors, is, you know, um, you don't get financing. Why do you not get financing? It's not only because interest rates are high, right? Interest high, uh, rates are high for all investments, right? So <laughs> your return, um, it, it doesn't matter what you invest there, you know, the capital cost or the capital cost. The reason is, you know, regulation is super high. Try to build an electrolyzer somewhere. Um, the reason is, you know, prices, you don't know what the offtake prices are. You, you, there's super high insecurity. And of course, we can see all those great studies from all those super smart consultants where the pricing will go. Eventually, hydrogen is going to happen. It's, it's going to be there. It's not going to be away. Um, and it's not going to go away. It's probably going to take a little bit longer. Um, and it really needs to come down in cost. If it doesn't come down in cost yeah, um, as quickly um, as you may read it here and there, then obviously you need to find market where you know people are willing to pay the cost for that energy. And the question is only how much does energy cost at a certain site? And obviously, if you're off grid in a house or if you're close to the grid, well, then energy is a lot cheaper um, um, than if you're somewhere um, out well, let's say in the Himalaya, right? So, you know, that's sort of the 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 way I, we, we see hydrogen. No, we still be, we strongly, strongly believe in it. But we think it's going to come a little bit different um, from what you may, oh, what, you know, you read in, in newspapers. It doesn't matter what technology you have. You know, you need to go to and apply or sell the technology where people are willing to pay the price and do value that technology and uh, valuing the price. And it has, whether it's a fuel cell or any other um, um, technology. And of course, if I want to compete with, you know, um, the grid or the grid price or with solar, right? Then, of course, with hydrogen, it will take a long time um, to be competitive in terms of pricing, not only from the technology, but also simply from the hydrogen cost. Um, but like I said, then you need to find markets. Um, and when we done this 20 years ago with uh, direct methanol, the reason why we started with methanol, not with hydrogen 20 years ago, what we need to find markets where people are saying, okay, the price of the energy I need for the what produced at this site is not only the energy, it's getting it there, it's operating it there, it's reliability, and it's a lot of other factors, right? And I think this this is also the key for hydrogen. We can wait till we import it from North America, till we get it from Africa. I remember, you know, Desert Tech uh, many years ago, we used to be a huge investor in uh, CSP uh, mirrors, and we said, yeah, it's only going to happen, and we're going to have 
big cables coming from Africa um, to Europe, and then we have a lot of energy, frankly speaking, I haven't seen this cable um, yet. Uh, then we say, yeah, we'll get all this energy from the sea, and, you know, Bavaria, I know, also the discussion, you know, getting it um, from the Northwest has been going on, and Bavarians not being supportive on that one. So, yes, this will all happen, but I think it's going to take longer. But if we do not want this technology to really die, and if we do not want that investors are pulling money out, you know, we need to find ways to keep it attractive and, and really, you know, get it into the market step by step. Not a revolution, but hopefully an evolution. And what role is politics and the regulation playing in getting that off the ground? Is it more a supporter, a helper, or is it blocking? How do I answer this diplomatically? Um, <laughs> Don't. <well. laughs> I put this way. You know, we've just been recently um, in India uh, with our chancellor and then there's the vice chancellor. And he visited our site, which I think is a really nice thing of him to do. And obviously, um, it's, it's, it's helpful. Um, but when it comes to the big but, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, right? Um, regulation is super, super high. And I think politics is not very helpful. They're very helpful in saying, yes, we're going to have um, um, hydrogen. We're going to have the hydrogen infrastructure, electrolysis. Trust me, try to build an electrolyzer somewhere. Um, until you get the permit, um, it takes forever. And it's probably different in Germany. You know, I live in Switzerland. It's different in Switzerland. In France, wherever you are, there's no, at least that is my impression, and that's the feedback we have, there is no, in, even not in Europe, like one set of rules how and where to do it. And so is politics helpful? They probably could be more helpful in making regulations uh, easier. But I think this is something everybody kind of, you know, sees and knows, not only in this space, but specifically also in this space. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we see that daily. I mean, we have so many processes running where we apply for new permits to change, to build new, whatsoever. And you see that the authorities, they lack the knowledge and the capacity uh, to really understand the complexity of their own rules. And then you get lost in, in a nirvana. Um, so we heard that a lot, but maybe we can, we can look at a couple of examples. And I'm, I'm not giving up yet on, on politics. I mean, they are the wild card, I have to admit, in all the investments that we have done. And on Friday, I will go again to one of those expert hearings in the Bundestag to try to convince them that we need to streamline our regulation, that it's consistent. Um, as an example, for the biogas production, the crop cap is quite important. And it was introduced um, in, in Germany, coming from the environmental part, uh, to um, make sure that there's no monoculture um, uh, plant um, so that, that you have mice after mice after mice on the fields. Um, because this was regulated in the energy regulations because they were local, they were uh, under the German authorities and they couldn't change the agricultural norms which were driven by, uh, by Brussels. Uh, so we have this crop cap. Now the um, Brussels caught up and changed the farming regulations that introduced also regulations to protect um, us from any monocultures. Now the two caps are not aligned, they bite each other. And we are not willing in German politics to scrap the one set of rules completely because now we have a European-wide set of rules for farming. So we have still the rules of energy trying to regulate farming 
in place in Germany and we have on top the European rule. That is not doable. Uh, stuff like that is annoying in the day-to-day -day operations. We, we operate biology. That is not the same day by day. It's changing by air pressure, temperature, wind, whatsoever. But we have strict regulations and the monitoring gets tighter and tighter. What to feed the plant day by day, which is crazy. We need flexibility. Then we could progress way faster with scaling up. They didn't do what uh, in a former panel uh, was said, go back a step and get a big systematic view on it. But we rather see that there are sentences from each lobby group stitched together and that's a new package. When I talk to my team that does all the regulatory work, they say, hey, no, there's no speeding up because they took away the two roadblocks there, but the other five are still there, so nothing changes. We, we haven't seen any speed up of any of our photovoltaic systems, and it's ridiculous uh, that it takes three to four years for a large-scale plant. You know, the typical plant we build has more than 100 megawatt peak capacity, and uh, you discuss how many spots for birds to um, fly in need to stay open uh, in that field. And it takes half a year. So that's the level where we operate and where politics is super important, but they need to wake up. Agreed. Sorry for being so lengthy. 